Hey, young world, we're back at it again, director series, but this time we got the man, the myth, the legend, and also my best friend, Director X. Yes, Director X sitting down with Emma and Jason talking about his amazing journey and some of his most impactful work. You name it. This is a man that worked with the biggest and baddest in the game, and you now get a front row seat of hearing his story, his process, and journey. Let's go. What drew you originally to music videos when you're growing up in Brampton? What made you want to be a music video director? And what were some of your original influences that were in the mix for you at the beginning of that? I mean, the 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 long story short is that I was, you know, I grew up in Brampton. I thought I was going to draw comic books. Then I discovered graphic design. Then um, just for fun, I was reading poetry at poetry readings. And so there's a part of this where you should just follow whatever your interests are, right? Without it being, not, everything now is like, oh, yeah, you could do it because it's the hustle. And then if you ain't going to go to the end goal, then you, all this hustle culture bullshit, do it because you were interested in it. Just do it because you're interested in it. I was, you know, I, my friends were rappers. I wrote a rhyme for them. And then I read that rhyme at a poetry reading. They invited me back. And next thing I know, I'm reading poetry at poetry readings and I'm writing, I'm a spoken word poet. And then Much Music does a poetry special. I go to that. They invite me to that. I read the poetry at the at Much Music. While I'm in Much Music, I look around and I say to the producer, Michelle Geister, hey, what happened to Big C's job? Big C was an intern, but he was from the communities, Big C, right? So we knew that there was something going on at Much Music, but he wasn't there anymore. He got a job at BMG. He got a job at a record label. So what's up with Big C's job? She's like, well, you know, whatever. And I figured it out with my school that I could get a, like a school placement at Much Music, which is like MTV. Because I'm just doing it. You should just do the shit. You're just, there's a part of this that's just going with the flow, especially when you're young. So I'm just doing the shit. And while I'm there, I'm looking at the cameras and the lights. And that is what made me get interested in music video. I wasn't some kid at home like, music videos, is, I, that wasn't what I was doing. It led me to that place. You know what I mean? So there's, there's a big part of that is still following your interests. This, this whole hustle culture where you're not supposed to sleep and you're not supposed to get sick and you're not supposed to take breaks and all this fucking idiot shit. Yeah, it's toxic shit. Like, it's, it's not good for you. It's not good for you. You should do what you're interested in. If, if you're, what are you, what are you, what are you compelled to do? That is, that is truly the thing you should be paying attention to. What are, what are you compelled to do? What can you not help? What do you, can you, what are you just interested in? Right? Especially now. Right? What, a, what a shame if some kid is interested in something, but fucking an Instagram hustler has convinced him not to do it because it doesn't reach the thing and the thing and being rich and all that fucking idiocy. If you're interested, do it. I want to talk about a little bit, just getting ahead in your career too. So we're starting out here. You began at DNA Films. Is that true? Uh, I started at Big Dog Films. Big Dog Films. All right. Then Big Dog Films, Hype is quite an artist. The business got real fucking funny. No one would work at Big Dog unless it was Hype. So HSI came around after I did The Red Man, I'll Be That. That was my big break. I went to HSI Productions. HSI Productions, for y'all who don't know, HSI Productions was a very big production company. I mean, they're like, do y'all remember like there'd be like a bank commercial and it's like a shot of a 
an Asian sailboat against Singapore. And then it'd be like a bird flying in front of New York City. Like they did those commercials. It'd be like millions, tens of millions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like big, massive commercial company. And I got signed to them. And then from them, I went to DNA. And then from DNA, I did my own thing. We, um, it wasn't my company. Well, watch your business. Uh, Creative Soul, we did Creative Soul. And then from Creative Soul, we went to Pop Rock. And now we started Fella, which is us. There is no parent company. There is no one else doing our accounting. It's Fella, right? And that's the, the production company history for me. I mean, I, I want to ask you too about contemporaries from that time too. When you were coming up, did you have other directors that were you felt like were your contemporaries that you were working with that influenced you at that time? Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely, there's definitely like a circle. Like my guy was Chris Robinson, like hype had Paul Hunter. I had Chris Robinson. Benny had Eric White. Like everyone kind of had another person. Like if they couldn't get you, they'd get them. Right. That was how that game worked. But the people that had big influences were like David Fincher and, you know, Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry. Those were the ones that everyone was watching. Mark Romanek, those are the guys that every single time is incredible. They never fucking stumbled. They never, I mean, Fincher's always been the best. Like for the people that know Fincher from his movies, he's always been the best. Like his commercials, his music videos. He was 16. He was in the camera department on Return of the Jedi. You know what I'm saying? Like he's always been the best, period, end of story. I remember Hype used to say to me, these guys act like they're fucking with Fincher. <laughs> they ain't fucking with Fincher. If you haven't stolen from David Fincher, you're not a real director. That's how I fucking say it. Um, why don't we get into a little bit about, first of all, just um, who you are. And then also, first, how do you feel watching these videos on the big screen? I mean, great. Uh, it's terrific. Like I said, it's, it's a real trip down memory lane. Uh, some of those ones going back, it's like, oh, wow. Shots I don't remember, edits I don't remember, definitely was much harder on them than, you know what I'm saying? Someone was like, ugh, ugh, you know what I mean? But yeah, it was, it was great to see. It wasn't until I got here that I remembered all the other ones. Like we were discussing videos, like, oh, what are we going to show? And da, 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 da. And I like blanked. And then I came here and I was like, oh, fuck. Yin Yang Twins and Omer here. Give up Omer Ganai's DP mm-hmm. shot. I'm not even my brother. But that also kind of goes to this. What we're talking about here is, I don't know if everyone in the audience knows this man's work, but he's got 25 years worth of Jesus music Christ. videos. <laughs> he has worked with everyone in the business. Everyone in the business. And you have billions and billions of views. Jason and I were going through it yesterday. We think you might be one of the most streamed music video directors of all time based on the YouTube era. Like there are many, many videos that have billions of views. So how many other artists can say that they have that many people watching their work on the regular? I mean, you know, there's a couple of us. There's definitely was a fraternity of of that era of, of people that were constantly working, constantly shooting, operating, you know, that MTV, BET, VH1 era. Now as you move away from it, it was very, very special. Right. And, um, Something about something about a central place. What we lack now is centralization, right? There's no place for us all to go to watch anything, TV or movie. We don't, like Netflix, for a little moment, Netflix was the one place we all went and immediately all the other corporations were like, fuck that, we're going to start our own. And now we're back to just, there's nowhere to go. But there's a, 
this summer it hit me, right? All those artists from that centralized era, 50 busters selling out sporting venues, uh, Nas and Wu-Tang, all, all those artists that came from that moment when we all knew who they were and we all knew what was going on were selling out these big venues, the biggest venues of their career. Meanwhile, the new hot artists, Little Baby and the, all these other kids are canceling shows because no one, like, it's all very niche now. Right. So I, I miss that. I miss that one place for us to kind of come together. Um, so how do you get to be a music video director from being from Brampton, Ontario? Perseverance. <laughs> you can't call it, man. It's just these right things. I skipped college, which was a big thing. I went, woo-hoo. To, yeah, woohoo. I went directly into interning and filmmaking is something. Well, there's two parts. Yes, you can learn it on the job, but you still have to study. So while I was an intern, I was just around. And then I did a video for Tracy Lee um, called The Party Remix featuring Buster Rhymes and Pirate MC. And it was a disaster. A disaster. Because as much as you sit beside the hot seat, it's not the same as sitting in the hot seat. It's the big difference. I've heard for the directors in the room. We got directors in the room, of course, right? <laughs> Right, so you remember coming up, and you remember being, well, okay, now I'm going to date myself, and you you all don't know this conversation, but there was a conversation where someone would come up to the director and say, we're running out of film. We, we don't have any more film, right? And then you go, oh, and then we'd talk about, well, can we go? No, it's closed, and we there's a big conversation about getting more film. And you're like, oh, wow, we're running out of film, until you're the person they say that to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's a whole other energy. The hot seat is a different energy. And it was, um, I forgot what I was talking about the hot seat. But anyways, the, it's, it's a different kind of pressure. It's a, it's a different kind of thing. And I mean, I, you just can't explain it. Oh, reading. So I realized I was in the hot seat. They're coming to me. I completely fucked it up. I didn't have the confidence. I felt like this little first-time director and like, oh, wow, he's a DP. I guess he's right. Like, I didn't understand any of this shit. I'm going to lead this into a bigger story that we all need to hear. So I went out and... Uh, I, I was luckily I had mentors, so I was able to talk to uh, Hype, talk to Alan Ferguson. The main thing Hype told me was that feeling that you suck—that's the enemy, right? That's the feeling you have to fight. So I went out and I went to a bookstore and bought all the books I could on filmmaking: books about equipment, books about makeup, about all these filmmaking books, and read them, read them, read them. And then uh, Def Jam gave me like a little little job, uh, Core Mega. Cormega is in the Red Band video. Do you all remember? Okay, so there's a lyric in Nas's first album where he says, what's up with Mega? Do you see him? You all together? Cormega. He ended up being in The Firm. He's in the... I always remember uh, Kevin Lyles at Def Jam. He was president of Def Jam. When Cormega got in the video, I was like, fucking Cormega. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't want him in the video. But uh, <laughs> so... I shoot a little thing with Cormega. We're shooting. He has this concept. He wants to do the opening scene from Scarface. Horrible, horrible concept for a commercial, but I shot it. But I was able to tack on, hey, what if I take a verse and chorus and shoot a little music video? I got my little thing. We're shooting it on 16 mil. And again, meeting people and talking to people, uh, I decided let's make it look like Clockers. I don't know if you all know that movie Clockers. Okay. So Malik Saeed was a great friend with Hype. 
I mean, so I call Malik. How'd you do that thing with the high, with the with the flare? And he go, oh, we this many stops over. So you're having this conversation. So we do that. And as we're doing it, and I'd read all the books, I pointed at a light and I said, "Scrim that light." And then I stopped. I said, "I said that." And <laughs> and I'm right. <laughs> so the studying the studying is essential. So now here's the story. So now Def Jam likes my little thing and they give me another video, EPMD Richter scale. Okay. So now my name is Little X at the time. I'm a little hip hop name. I don't have any. So all these agencies that represent DPs and all that, they're like, whatever. Uh, let's give him the guy we don't get any work. So I choose this dude. He has a couple spots. And now I decide I'm going to shoot this whole thing. Hard light, no fill, filter everything. Chocolate filter one, chocolate filter three, God, da, 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 right? So um, we're shooting something and it's this, you know, light boom, booming down on the guy. It's like a chocolate filter number three and something's a, a voice. And this is what you all got to listen to for the, the voice whispers to you. I tell you, sometimes God only whispers, but he knows you heard. And the voice says to me, ask about compensation. So what's the, <laughs> what's the compensation on a number three filter, chocolate filter? Oh, I don't compensate. That's weird. The books say you're supposed to compensate. Oh, I guess, you know, this is an experienced director of photography. I guess in the field, you don't really compensate. So we shoot it. We go to the telecine. He comes, the DP comes to the telecine. And that shot comes up. So the shot is, remember, I'm doing hip hop. This is a black man in a dark room, no fill, hard light with a three filter, chocolate filter on. So on the film is the highlights of his cheeks, the top of his forehead, and his white t-shirt. <laughs> and he's wearing a dark hoodie. So everything else is just pitch black. And the guy's like, oh, and I look at it, I go, oh, this looks a little underexposed. And he goes, well, you know, it looks like I got to get to my next meeting. And he's like, packs up all this shit and fucking darts out of the fucking room. So I tell you this story to tell you, it doesn't fucking matter who you're fucking talking to. If your instinct tells you no, it's no. It doesn't fucking matter who the person is you're talking to. You're the director. If your instinct tells you no, the answer is no. Trust your instincts. Um, working with big pop stars, big, big stars, how do you get a good performance out of them? I mean, actually, I've, I've, I've come to a place now where... Look, you don't need to tell Usher nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, Usher does world tours. You're dealing with these guys that have, this is what their job is, to go out on stage and perform. So at base level, you're going to get a good performance. Really, now, it's what can you say to an artist whose whole job is performance that can actually do something different, right? So I remember there's a Zane video I did uh, like I could. If you can find the director's cut, it's probably still online. You should watch the director's cut. The management fucked up the video. <laughs> that, that, no, it's, it's atrocious. It's, it's a whole other, I could do an hour just on what they did to that piece. But um, the song is like I could. So, you know, he can't love you like I could. He couldn't this like I could. So it's essentially a very primal 
song. I can fuck you better than your man. I can love you. I I'm I'm watch. I'm gonna take you like you know moose in the forest fighting over the woman. Like you know very primal. At our core, we've 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 gotten into this thing. But at our core, this is I can beat you up and I'm gonna take your woman. So I say to him, okay, as you sing the song, I need you to think about like a wolf in the forest chasing down a deer and leaping on and putting your teeth in the neck and taking it down and fucking fucking eating its guts while it's still alive. Really primal, you know what I'm saying? These primal thoughts. Like, think about it now. Think about being a lion in the jungle and you see your prey, you see the zebra, and you chase it down, chase it down, chase it down, leap, teeth in the neck, fucking hold it down as it fucking can't move anymore. You know what I'm saying? So think about that as you perform. And he starts performing and loosening up. And Zane is notorious. Zane doesn't really perform. The management comes to set like, what the? They see him dancing and mm, I love you like I, he's going all the way in. Like, what the fuck did you say to him? Right? So I think it's that, right? Sometimes I'll say to an artist, in your mind, I want you to visualize that you're performing this song to a stadium full of people. As far as you can see is jumping and screaming fans singing back to you. Now sing the song. So you feel what I'm saying? Because at the base level, they're going to give you a great performance. Beyond even the artist that travels the world singing their songs, you're making a music video. They've spent so much time in front of their mirror doing this. They've been practicing. They've been dreaming. They've been waiting for the day that they get to do this. So what are you going to do? that's gonna make this about something. Is it an emotional song? Are you gonna tell them, all right, I want you to sing this song to the camera, but through the camera, I want you to picture the girl that you wrote this song about and send the energy to her. So much so, by the end of the day, you should get a phone call from her saying, I was thinking about you. You feel what I'm saying? Uh What What can you do now on top of a pro being a pro what can you give them as a direction? And whichever one that is, visualizing an animal, visualizing the stadium, visualizing the girl or the guy or the situation, or the, what are you going to give them that's not only going to motivate them, but free them up so they surprise themselves in the performance? You feel what I'm saying? Well, what about... When it's Justin Bieber performing as Drake, how do you get that performance? Um, so remember that shot where he comes out the door and he first, first time he comes out the bedroom, he's like dancing, right? So the first one, we're like, all right, picture your favorite hip hop artist. He's like, he kind of gangster. And I go, all right, um, someone like, likes, ha ha, what? Ha, just keep saying this in your head. Ha, ha, hey, 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 hey. So. You know what I'm saying? Say it in your head right now. Just go, hey, hey. You can't, right? Right? You feel it, right? So what are you gonna what are you gonna say? What are you gonna give an artist that again, the idea is that you're freeing them up? Right? So if you're doing a love scene, and even the most basic is you keep saying to you say, All right, while you do this scene with the girl, or you do this scene with a guy, keep on thinking, I love you, I love you, I love you. Just keep repeating that in your head. Think in your head, I love you, I love you, I love you. You feel things begin to unlock, right? You begin to feel certain feelings. So what are you going, what, what can you give to, because uh, they're all actors once they're in front of the camera. What are you going to give to an actor that 
at the same time focuses them, but opens them up because the moment you're like, okay, so walk over here. And when you walk over here, I want you to use your left hand. And then when you use your left hand, put back your leg. And then I want you to lean in, but don't lean in too much. And remember the, the once you start doing all that shit, what, huh? What did you kill the performance? So it's finding something that, like I said, something that can focus, but at the same time freeze. And then we all get to enjoy the surprise. How do you balance that as a director when you're working? So you've worked with some of the biggest pop stars in the world. When you come into a video project working with, with Drake or Rihanna, how do you balance what you need as a director with what an artist of that scale and stature needs? They're right. It doesn't matter the scale of statue. It's, you're making their video, right? You're, we, we're essentially contractors, right? So as much as we love our work, there's, there's, a, there's a trap you can get into where you feel it is yours. It's not yours. It's theirs. The 99% of the people in the world are going to say, I love that Rihanna video. There's, we, this is the 1%. And look at the, this is it. This is we've. Shout out to you for being here. There's still empty seats in here. There's still empty seats. That's it. Of all the people who are like, wow, Director X's Rihanna video was amazing. We've done it. You know what I'm saying? So you got to respect that. This is their kitchen. They're going to live in this. This is where they're going to cook their breakfast. You know what I'm saying? You can't. And then on top of it, every time I have fought an artist on something they've wanted to do, I was wrong. This is the this is that balance where you're right versus someone else's idea. The balance is the, you're wrong to theirs. So uh, Omer's here. We were just talking about we shot a video for Drew Hill called um, what is it? Lover. My I love you. I love you. The video is called I Love You. So Cisco says, I want the stage to be red. And I say, red, fuck, that sucks. Make it black. Cisco and the group show up in black. So it's just these floating heads, <laughs> right? Had it been, you understand what I'm saying? And every single time. So we were saying earlier, what the beauty of a music video is, especially when, we were, when you do a lot of them, you can track your decisions. Right. You just shot this a few days ago. Now you're in the edit and you know the things you decisions you made and the thing, you know what I'm saying? So you know what it is. So anytime I've not done what the artist requested, I've been wrong. Anytime someone has tried to anytime someone has made me change my mind, I was wrong for letting them change my mind. You feel what I'm saying? And I've built a very simple grid, however you want to beautiful mind this equation. You get to be completely right about your department. So long as you're not trying to make me change my mind, you're right. Make the wall blue. What if we made it glossy baby blue? Sure. Because I didn't think of that. You're not making me change my mind. You've taken my direction and built upon it. So, all right. You know, um, it's very, very simple. Now, what would happen a lot back in the day would be everyone was just jumping in everyone's apartment. The DP has an opinion about the fucking knob, the fucking door handles, and then the art director wants to talk about the schedule, and everyone's just kind of like, there's all this chaos going on. It's very simple. You get to be all the way right, so long as you're not trying to change, change my mind, I'm going to give you all your creativity. And none of anybody else's department. Don't you think the couch should be, well, you're the DP, so I don't give a fuck what your opinion on the couch is. I don't say this to them, but I don't care. And when I did a, when I did a film, I had a DP would keep on talking about the lights and the lenses and all this shit, and I, had, I would disregard him. But then I had to catch myself, because then when he would come to me talking about his department, I had become accustomed to disregarding him. 
and go, oh, no, 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 this is actually his job, right? Your jo you have your job. Be completely dead. Don't fucking worry about anybody else's shit. You know what I'm saying? Especially for the DPs in the room, because DPs feel they can kind of dabble in everyone's fucking just being real with y'all. DPs are like, hey, hey, you know what we should do over here? Hey, I don't like the couch. Fuck off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we're just being real. Stay in your lane. I, and that's, that's my rule. And that is serve me well, because it allows everyone to be creative within their space. Right? Now I'm not, because I used to consider your idea. Hey, X, what if we made it blue and glossy? I don't know. And anytime, another lesson. Anytime someone came to me, and I'm thinking of like a DP, hey, I got this filter. I don't want to do it. Anytime a DP came to me with an idea building on mine, and I didn't do it, I regretted it. You feel what I'm saying? And and also, this is a bit like playing with kids. You're the parent in this fucking situation. So you start shutting down your kid's creativity. They stop being creative. They stop offering things up, right? So once people begin to get the vibe, they might not fully figure it out, but they're just hearing a bunch of yeses. They're like, oh, fuck, right? And then when you start getting into longer form, maybe about a week or so, maybe less, people start understanding that that's what we're doing. X, I got an idea. I wrote this and I do it. Yeah, do, do it. Hey, I got, yeah, yeah, do it. And fuck, okay. Right? It's too much to handle. You, you, you're not the, none of us are the auteur we think we are. Right? You have to let everyone else play. This is, we should all, everyone should be having fun. This, the job, our job is to play. So other people who are not as fortunate enough as us, is who escape through what we do, can feel that energy of play and have their own, and you feel what I'm saying? But so that, that is the, like I said, your beautiful mind equation, that's the equation. You get your, you get your department and nothing else. And so long as you're not trying to make me change my mind, go at it. Is there a different quality now? You've been working in music videos for 25 years. You've worked with all kinds of artists. Do you feel like there's a different quality? 25 years. Does it sound scary when I say it like that? <laughs> Shout out, though. This man's a legend. 25 years. We have not scratched the surface. We talked about this a little bit in the... There's... there's how many artists have you... How many videos? Hundreds? Maybe. I wish I wrote it all down. Definitely for you guys, definitely write down all the videos. Create a log <laughs> of all the videos. Okay, so many, many videos. Do you feel like there's a difference now in pop stars and in artists that you work with than there was back then? Is there a difference in media literacy? There's, uh, I think, a new generation of artists that have come the, the, up working. They've had to make their own videos for a long time for YouTube, for TikTok. Do you feel like that's influencing the way people perform? I think there's a difference in that anyone can just do it. You can go get a camera and go do something. The competition isn't the same because we're not all watching the same stuff. Right, back in the day, you were watching the Missy video, so I got to do something hotter than that, and da 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 da. And it's just, it's, it's, they, I don't, I don't know, I don't deal with a lot of the younger artists, but what's driving you to push the limits beyond your own innate artistic thing, right? I just, it felt like there's, the competition was clearer. They know the competition with the music, but the music videos don't seem like the same kind of competition. You know, pitching artists very different ideas it doesn't land the way it used to. I mean, that's a challenge, too, because I think a lot of people in the rooms are directors as well, too. So how do you sell your ideas? And then, I mean, I think you now at this point, too, have these great collaborators. you got Drake, these people that you've made, what, 
20 videos with at this point too. So um, you can probably have that short, um, you know, conversation with them too. So, I mean, I guess advice on how to sell these ideas when you're talking to someone new and then maybe a little bit about how you foster those relationships that last so long. I mean, as best as you can, that'd be cool. Again, find your balance of what it is. I personally, you guys know the book Save the Cat. I apply Save the Cat to my treatments. So, elaborate. Every, <laughs> elaborate. A lot of what will happen is like, you know, you'll do an introduction and then you say, here's your video. And then at the end, you're like, this is the lighting, this is the edit, this is the close. So now I have to re-remember the video, but now I have to apply, I have to do the video twice in my head. That's bad story structure. You're supposed to set up the second act, the fun and games of your treatment is the video, right? So you have your introduction. Hey, thanks for calling me, or this song is great, or you're my favorite artist. Then you have the catalyst, this song, time to make a video. And then you have the debate. This is how I'm going to light it. This is how I'm going to cast it. This is what I'm then all that boring shit because they want to get to the video. And now it's in their head. And now the second act, fun and games. Here's your video. And in their head is like, oh, it's going to be lit blue and everyone's going to wear red. And the casting is going to be young, beautiful models. Surprise. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that, that's how I structure it. And, and, you know, you're at my company. When I've given this advice to other directors at the company, the feedback is, this is the best treatment I've ever read. Story structure is more than, so let's get really deep on it. Story structure is not something someone, it's not a trick someone figured out. It's not pickup arts. It is, yeah, there's a deep cut for you. Um, it is how we understand story. It's deeply ingrained. That's why I can get in the time machine, go back 5,000 years, anywhere in the world, and the story structure still works, right? This is just how we understand story. So I apply it to my speeches. I give a lot of speeches and awards. I do all that, you know what I mean? I structure it properly. Not only that, theme stated, you know? Introduction, theme stated, catalyst, debate, second act, midpoint all, all I do all that in everything I do and at the end of the award show or whatever thing it's oh my god I was so moved the people can't help it they don't know that what the, they don't know and they shouldn't know we're directors we are conscious of the subconscious we know what levers we're pulling we work the engine right I don't know how my fucking car works but it works but there's a mechanic who does we're the mechanics of people's emotions, of people's, yeah? So this is this is what it is. So apply story structure to every fucking thing you do. Apply it to your sales. And at least they understand it. If they don't go for it, they don't go for it. And you get to put it in your pocket for the right person. The right thing will happen at the right time for the right one. You, you understand what I'm saying? But that is my, that's my little tidbit for y'all. Thank you. <laughs> How do you go about the pitch process? Are you typically working on a concept in tandem with an artist? Are you bringing them something completely from your own devising? Or now that you've had so many long-term relationships with artists, is there a shorthand where you don't even have to go through that process with them anymore? 
No, you always got to go through the process. It's their shit, right? So they're going to be... I, I, I prefer an artist that says, I have an idea and I can build off the idea. These... Uh, just coming in blind sometimes is hard, especially for me. It has to be... It can't just be another video. You know what I'm saying? It can't just be like, another, oh, I, I have to do something that makes my... Like, okay, that's a thing. And when you start drifting into those realms, like, okay, so it's going to be like a split screen and then we're going to layer in a level of it done. And then, you know, I, okay, I don't really have a reference because no one's ever done this before, but kind of follow what I'm trying to say to you. It's hard. Not everyone has that vision. But, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's been my career, trying to convince people. And then one day you get it, someone sees it, and then you get, and then now they get it. Right, but that first time trying to convince someone of a, a thing that's never been done before or they haven't seen before or doesn't exist in a way they can comprehend, that's a hard, that's the hard battle. Well, that's another question too about how to be flexible, I think, sometimes too. So especially you're working with these big stars. You roll up to set. Are there ever times too when you just got to change the plan? You have a plan. It's got to change. How do you remain flexible? Talk to us about it. You just changed the plan. <laughs> what level of artist? How much money are they going to get from the label? You just you got to move with this thing. This is this this is the beauty of the game. That, that that's part of this chaos that you experience in music video. No one else is experiencing that. Even down the television, right? No, no one has experienced that chaos where they're just like, ah, I don't feel like it. Ah, I'm five hours late, uh, or, or just the other chaos. Gangsters have decided that they want, don't want you to shoot in this neighborhood. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, yeah. You can't shoot here anymore. You know what I mean? Like, all that shit, or all, I mean, I got a gazillion gangster stories. But, um, but that, that's part, you, it, this is, you roll with these punches and you move and you make something work. You gotta make something work. It is what it is. How much do you let uh, the outside world seep into production? Though? Like something like King Kunta, which is an amazing video. Um, you know, the production process for that video, what was that like shooting it in Compton? How much of that is, is cast in advance versus how much of it is, is something that's organically emerging? There's a lot of stuff, especially when you do like a video in Compton where it's just going to happen. Right, like you know, you're gonna go there. You know, you're gonna shoot at this house. You know, but there's so many random variables. Compton, Compton has. I mean, we in LA, so some of y'all know. When the sun goes down, that's a whole other town. So during the day, it was a love fest. We in Compton, we making music. Kendrick's out here, and then the sun went down, and the cops are like, "All right, look." So <laughs> you guys need to wrap this up. Because it's, yeah, it's a whole other scenario. The shit just changed. But you roll with that. You roll with that. This is a roll with the punches business. The music videos are rolls with the punches, right? And that's the, that's the point of it. And that's actually the, the beauty of the art form, that you're able to really rock, right? I've been on different productions, film and television, where it starts getting hairy and the clock is ticking and I'm, give me the camera. I don't have, this is a part of, there's a part of the, those film, film, television commercials are a little regimented, and there's a time when that shit all just gets in the way. Give me the camera, and then you just go. You just go like you really. It's street ball. Music videos are street ball. I mean that video in particular too. Like, how much of that was planned versus how much of that was found on set? 
locations like the car. We're going to go to this house. We got the throne. We're going to go in the house. We're going to the backyard. We had a second unit. Daps are shooting second unit. Go shoot that stuff. We're going to shoot at the Compton swap meet. You're, there, there's, it's an ebb and flow of, I know I'm going to be here. I kind of have this idea. Now, what do I have? You can't be rigid. You can't be rigid in any part of music, of uh, filmmaking, music video especially, right? You got to flow. And especially when you're going to the hood, forget about it. You got to be ready to just be like, yo, that's hot. Let's go over there. Yo, come over here. There's a video. It's very hard to find online. Akon Ghetto. And we shot... So Akon has a song called Ghetto, clearly. Um, and I say, okay, here's the concept. We're going to go to a black ghetto, a white ghetto, and then we're going to go like a native, you know, indigenous, a native ghetto. So we go to, New, it wasn't Newark, it was Trenton. It was some, like every home was burnt out. Every wall was a RIP thing. It was crazy. This video was crazy. Shooting out there was nuts. And we couldn't really find a white ghetto, to be very honest with you. When we went to the trailer parks, the trailer parks were all like really beautiful and clean and like on and on the water. Like even even white ghettos were like, you know what I'm saying? Like they're like, oh shit, even this is fucked up. Like even this, even this. You know what I'm saying? Like it was fucking weird. Um so the white ghetto was hard to find, but we kind of faked that one. And then we went to the <laughs> and then we went to the Navajo Nation. So the Navajo Nation, they don't even have a movie theater. And they're on that shit. Like, you know, like you walk around, I'm walking around, kind of looking around, and I hear, my, I hear people say, yo, who the fuck is this motherfucker? And we're scouting, and I keep on seeing spray painting on the wall. Cobras, cobras, cobras. And, oh, no, it's dragons. I keep on seeing dragons written on the wall. And this guy's driving us, so... <laughs> I'll give you an So I say, I, I'm looking around. I go, who are the dragons? And there's an in, there's an indigenous guy driving us. And I just see this. <sighs> he goes, they're a gang. And then my art director, we we called him Matt Damon, isn't it? And then looked Alex Passion. Is this mine or yours? Which one was you? That's this one's me because that has less. Um, so Alex, Alex is a New Yorker graffiti street kid. So who are the dragons? They're a gang. Alex says, who's the other gang? <laughs> the Cobras. Me, of course. I'm like, can I meet them? Yeah, so he brings me to meet a Cobra. So we now, we're shooting. We have a couple gang members now on set. So we shoot the scene, Akon's walking down the street. If you can find this video, on one side of the street is the old housing, right? Which is these old style homes. On the new side is very new suburban. And then the gang members show up. So the Cobras show up, they wear green. And the leader of the group looked, you could tell he's young, but his, you could see the age on him. And then there's another guy, a bigger guy who's a little tougher, but you could see the leader of the thing. And then these two other kind of guys who just hung with them and they're wearing their green. And I remember we all, we saw the leader and he had like a tomahawk. And we're like, does that guy have a tomahawk? And then there are two cribs show up. And so we're shooting the scene. We shoot Akon walking down the street with the two sides of the street. And as we're walking back, I see the cobras talking to the cribs. And I, I see this body language. And I see the, so the, 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 the hard guys like 
talking to him about what the fuck is going on. And the big guy's kind of like getting amped. And I'm walking, but I don't want to run because I worry if I run, like if I run to get in between them, I'll hype it up. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to speed walk because I know if I can just get my, if I can just get my hand in between them, I can done it. And just as I'm about to get there, the big guy, hype, 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 boom, punches him. Full on brawl. The, the, the fight that some people, someone gets stabbed. Someone jumps in a car. The, so the Crips jump in the car and they came with some girls and the Crip dude says to the girl, all right, let's go. And the girl just turns her back on him. And fuck you, bitch. Gets in his car and tries to run over the one of the, the Cobras. By now, all the crew has run away. So the only people left is, is <laughs> yeah, it's just me, my manager, Taj, Alex, Akon, and Ski, rest in peace, right? And they try and run over the cribs. <laughs> the guy with the tomahawk <laughs> takes the tomahawk and throws it at the car and goes, <laughs> and shatters the whole back window. And we're all inside and we forget for a moment we're in a gang battle and we go, So the car, <laughs> the car drives off. The car drives off, and right, and now they're all hype. And I go, and right, so everyone's fucked up. They don't know what to do. And me, I say, "Yo, Don, get over here." And there's a scene with the these guys in the green burning a blue bandana and like doing all this shit in the video. That's right after we had the fight. You gotta shoot that. You gotta shoot that. That's music videos. <laughs> You've lived a life. <laughs> How did what you learned about storytelling and, and also production working in music videos help prepare you for the work you're doing now in television and narrative film? You've moved on to doing feature films, commercials, TV shows. What about music videos made them a good training ground for all of that, if they were. I, oh, no, I think I think music videos is the best training ground for a director, right? Being that I come from it, but beyond that, everything else is so client. You know, here in North America, you shoot a commercial, and the system is, hey, director, thanks for shooting this. We'll show you when we're done. You're damn near a DP. They take your footage and run. Um, television, you'd get to do your edit. And then the next time you see your work, it's on television. It's on. It's done. They don't come back, hey, we made some changes to your work. What do you think? They don't care what you think. You feel what I'm saying? And making a TV show, I understand. There's just so many opinions going on. There's no way. I was, when I first did, I did a show, Robin Hood. And I was like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to include the director in the edit. And when I was in the edit, there's just so many fucking people. I was like, this is impossible. I can't, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like you just can't do it. It's not possible for the way that system works. And then film, maybe an indie, if you do a studio, I don't know. I'd rather judge a director on his music videos than any other piece of his work. Cause I know you are the creative driving engine. This, your idea, you shot it, you cut it, you finished it. Back in the day, we used to hand you the digibeta. You feel, you feel what I'm saying? So there's no other part of filmmaking that gives you that experience. Maybe film. Maybe an indie film. I often wonder when com commercial directors over here get that time. I'm, 
It's just not, it's just not how the Simpsons built. So as far as learning the craft and learning different styles, this one's going to be anamorphic David Fincher style, all in a dolly. We're going to move around. This one's going to be handheld wide lens four by three. This one's going to be vertical black and white. Every, you know what I'm saying? That's the nature. And it's not that you're pushing it. It's just, it feels like that. It fe This one's going to be a narrative. This one's going to be a performance. This one's going to be a white wall and whatever. This one's going to be out in the forest. And we're going to be, it, you're constantly going new places, trying new things, right? So you have this great tool belt. If you've done television, it's a dolly, two cameras, some showrunner, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, 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 you feel what I'm saying? Like, you, you, it's, a, it's a very different structure. I don't know unless, I mean, there's great directors in every art form, right? There's great directors in, in every piece of it. So everyone has to find their way within this context. But I come out of music video and I know, I know when the shit gets real, give me the camera. Okay, so music videos are kind of a melting pot art form. They pull in a lot of different influences from various places. Where are you drawing influence from? And also, do you think videos are a place where you can kind of smuggle in ideas from other art forms and other art mediums? You've done installation work. I'm curious, you're something like Hotline Bling, which is obviously pulling in a lot of fine art world influence and Terrell and stuff like that. Um, where, where are those ideas coming from for you? I, me personally, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone else, but I need to be outside to be inspired. I go to art galleries. I go to a party. I go to, you know what I mean? I need to be in the world to be inspired. I think everyone has, everyone has their way of being inspired, but you need to see things, experience things. I personally, I need to go see and experience and be, you know what I mean? And pulling from everything. Um, fashion photography was a major influence. I, I say that music videos are the child of fashion photography and um, traditional filmmaking, right? We're, we're, we're like, we can do things that just no one else can do. So I'm pulling from both a lot, but we are probably a little more, I don't know, is fashion photography the mother of music video or the father? Probably the mother. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're mama's baby. You know what I'm saying? Like we're the, the fashion, the photography, the camera, the lens, all this stuff can really mean something. You can go and shoot, you can go to some ghetto somewhere with an eight mil and a spotlight and just, that's the video. It's this lens and a, this light, you know, have a style and an energy and a vibe and be like, yo, this works. You know what I mean? So that is how I personally do it. I'm pulling influences from everywhere. The hard part for me, even to this day, is trying to explain to someone like, oh, no, this picture is Superman. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I want to, this is my inspiration for your music video pop star you know what i'm saying they're like what so you want me to be superman no no i don't want you to be superman i'm just but look at the the lighting of the superman what so i'm superman <laughs> you know what i mean like this is the so that's that's the thing sometimes when you pull influences from so far away they cannot see past the surface of it all you know what i mean but that that's how again that's how i do it everyone has to find their way can i I just want to ask too, just about music videos too, because I think there's an interesting cultural thing that happens where music videos are the format in which new voices come out. You see a lot more people of color in this. You see a lot more women. This is where like people break ground 
And then commercials, TV, everything else kind of like flows from that like a couple years later too. So what is the importance of maintaining music videos as a, as a art form or, you know, how, how can we bring up other directors through this? Because it's such a cool way to cut your teeth. Well, the beauty, the beauty of it is it's, the money doesn't matter with the technology. You can just go out and shoot. You can make stuff. I mean, I do, I do wish there was a more central place where everything could be seen, but you can make this happen. Look, Toronto is an amazing film town. Woo-hoo. Right. Uh, the new generation is different, but there is a moment like Guy uh, Guillermo, he comes up, yeah, all the- Guillermo a, Del Toro? Del Toro. And those guys- they're like, oh, wow, these crews are so great. They all learned on music videos. Yeah. Right? Like, they, they grew up in the music video era. That's how they learned how to do this thing. So it's a real, it's an amazing training ground. Me, personally, if I'm picking a director for a TV show or a movie, I want your music videos. I, I can tell from your music videos what kind of director you are, how smart you are, how much you know the camera, how much you know. I know everything I need to know by watching a couple. Three to five, three to five of your music videos, I know precisely who you are. I can't do that with your, with your TV shows. Fuck out of here. I don't know what the, I don't know, I don't know what you, what you, just, it's not how that works. You know what I'm saying? Never in my life has a DP ever looked at me. One time, once in my life, has a director, uh, director of photography refused to shoot a shot in a music video. It was on Usher, You Got It Bad, this very French director, and I wanted to shoot something. I will not shoot it. (laughs) A bag of times, a bunch of DPs on a TV show said, that's not what we do on this show. You're just the director. You feel what I'm saying? So as far as the creativity, it's your idea. You shoot it, you edit it, you finish it. I can tell a lot more about you as a music video director than I can anything else. You're, if you're really pushing, my generation came from, you know, uh, this video is going to be grainy black and white 16 millimeter. This video is going to be anamorphic lens, 35 millimeter, all shot on dolly and Steadicam. This video is going to be in a studio, fashion photography, 35 mil, slow, you know what I'm saying? Each video demanded a very different look and a very different thing. You didn't say, this is my look and you're going to get my look. Your look changed according to what was right for the song, what was right for the artist, what was right for the thing. So when you come out of that, I know what it is to be in the Navajo Nation in the middle of a gang fight doing that thing. I also know what it's like to be shooting a motherfucking pop star diva with a million trucks and a big studio. And you know what I'm saying? Like I've had all those experiences and music videos afford you that, right? Cause you're going to shoot one day, two day. You're just not going to get that out of film, television or commercials. It's just a very different thing. So music videos really are an amazing training ground for the rest of the game. I think we're going to open it up to some questions from the audience. Jack, can you help us out with uh, roaming this mic around? Finding some questions. Can I, can I tell you when I caused a riot in Harlem? Yes. When did you cause, wait, this is my next hold, question. Hold your questions for one moment. When did you cause a riot in Harlem? Okay. So this is around the time that, remember those video cameras are like this big and they had like the little flip out and that big black thing. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about. Like videos were just getting, the video cameras were just getting. Like a getting, DVX kind of thing? DVX. Yeah. And they're just getting good. It didn't look like film, but they're like, kind of good. And so Wyclef Jean had a song called Pussycat. 
and then he had a remix with Buster Rhymes and Loon. And uh, I was at HSI Productions at the time. Anyone know HSI Productions? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Okay, a few of you don't know HSI Productions. So HSI, I'm at HSI Productions, and uh, they put me with this PM who's, they're giving him a shot to be a producer, Ted. And I say, hey, let's shoot it with these little video cameras. And he's like, cool. And since they're little video cameras, we don't need permits. <laughs> 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 Let's shoot this in Harlem. <laughs> 145th with Wyclef, Buster Rhymes, and Loon when they were hot. So Wyclef, I mean, there's a whole deeper esoteric part of this story, but I'm not going to tell it. We'll save that for drinks. Um, so Wyclef on Broadway and 145th, there's a movie theater, and on it it says Pussycat Remix. Wyclef, Buster Rhymes, Loon, and he brings a bunch of his cars. So there's a monster truck on Broadway on a Friday night and like a fucking Bugatti and there's all these, like it looked like a car show out here. No one knows what's going on. And then we go, you know, it's time to shoot. So we pull up the the G-Wagon, we open the trunk and start playing the song. Uh, Buster Rhymes, Loon, and Wyclef in the moment of their hotness. And I described, like, if I were to take this bottle and turn it upside down, the water or the, the mezcal is children flowing out of buildings. <laughs> it immediately, the entire street shuts. It is Friday night in New York City. The children are literally fucking filling the streets, jumping and running. It was chaos. Every police officer in the city gets called to this intersection. So we're shooting, we're shooting, and then someone comes up, grabs it, get the fuck out of here. So they drive the, they drive the G-Wagon down a street, but they don't turn the music off. So the kids chase the truck down the street, and they're jumping on the car. It's just absolute chaos. So, you know, it all calms down. This guy comes up to me in a trench coat and pajamas, and he says, yeah. And he goes, you see that woman right there? And there's some older black, some auntie, older black, black lady. Cause she is the head of the largest block association in Harlem. And she just opened her door to children jumping on her car. And if HSI was not shooting a commercial for some kind of bid for the Olympics, they all would a lot. I mean, it was, it was an ugly, ugly situation. And this was after a good, I don't know, maybe decade or so of hip hop, just rampaging through New York City and fucking up everything all the time. Hype, Diane Martel, Paul Hunter. Just, we just demolished the fucking city. It was, <laughs> this video, if you can imagine the shot, it's a straw floating, floating, floating. And finally, it lands on the camel's back <laughs> and breaks it. And from that day forward, New York's like, fuck y'all. Fuck y'all. No you more broke videos. New York. I broke, I, I was the straw that broke the camel's back. The man, the you're, legend you're who broke New York, you're everyone. Do we have a couple questions? Um, so my name is Malia Watson. I'm actually a healthcare worker, but aspiring short film producer, director. Um, but anyways, I wrote this question down while I was watching your, I guess, like, encyclopedia of music videos. And so how do you draw inspiration from your career's success, particularly when it comes to incorporating sexually suggestive elements in videos or choreography, as well as can you speak to 
um, the decision behind Rihanna shooting two different videos after you shot one? Um, one on the sexy stuff. I, I, I'm a, I was in the, in the midst of it, right? So, uh, and I was always on the side of like, oh, these girls, they're being sexy and that's wrong. Why? Well, when they're sexy, men get turned on. Yeah. Well, then they might not know what to do. What that the fuck that got to do with them? The men need to learn how to control themselves. Here, here. <laughs> they're they're being well. They're dancing in bikini again. There's there's this. It's a very the energy where things come from, right? Why are you dancing in a bikini? Because you want someone to like you? You want to get attention? Are you dancing in a bikini because you're in a bikini and you feel like dancing? You like the music and it's fucking sunny outside and it's summertime. You feel what I'm saying? This isn't as simple as like everything is bad because it is what it is. There is context. There is the part of this where we were influenced by fashion photography. And, you know, a naked girl in Vogue is not the same as a naked girl in the Source magazine. The medium is the message. All right. So all these, all these things are happening all at once. So yeah, there's, there is a part of this that is guys like, yeah, pretty girl. So what my, my group, we saw this as fashion. We saw this as beauty. It saw, saw us taking this, these fashion imagery and bringing it into our community. Right. And that's why, I mean, there's an article, one of these hip hop magazines wrote about me. They said, I'm the Hugh Hefner of hip hop. <laughs> but they said in it, his doesn't feel dirty because it wasn't like, yeah, dance for me. It was like, no, this is fucking beautiful. Look at this beautiful woman. And you know what I'm saying? There's a part of the energy of, of, of what we do that you can just kind of feel. We, it wasn't grimy, f dirty. It was trying to bring fashion photography into the hip hop world with new shapes of bodies and new skin tones and new things. And there's something very beautiful about it. So that's, that has been that at that time, what that was, things have definitely evolved into to new things, but it, it, it wasn't, it was a different approach that, that made it work for some. And again, for a whole generation of young black women and women of color, this is the first time they saw themselves on a screen. I, this was not, that was not what it was when I was growing up. You did not see these curves, right? And we said they're beautiful. And then, you know, then we got into the Kardashian age and now everyone wants their curves. You know what I'm saying? But this is definitely a, a, a definitely uh, a part of it. And what was your second question? Yeah, they shot the, the, in the video, the second one, they shot that one first and they didn't like it. Then we did our video and then they decided, fuck it. What if we just use this one setup and made that a thing, right? So that's why that's, that second video is just them in one room. That was a setup of an entire music video. And that was the one setup that they liked. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. It's the beauty of the internet. You can just go and make a 20 minute music video, right? If you feel like it. Um, I don't think enough people do it, but you can just do whatever the fuck you want to do. Hi, I'm Jake. Um, I was just kind of curious with like the amount of hands that are attached to like an artist on a video set. Like how do you kind of like 
navigate that space, like with the label and like with like the artists, like managers and stuff. And like when label execs kind of like hop in and they're like, oh, like, can we have them do this? Can we have them do that? Like, what's your take on that? Like, how do you react to that kind of influence when you're on set? There's a very fine line about this, right? I do believe if you're getting paid on the job, you're connected to the job. For what you should pay attention to is when people that are actually working on the job feel something's wrong. What you should ignore is their solution, right? Something's wrong. That Something's wrong. Maybe she should like put her leg on the table. That's wrong. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I, and th- this is pretty much across the board. But some, they're not wrong that something's wrong. You have to figure that out. But so to ignore everything is bad, but also at the same time to do it. Because also there's another level. So I give this example to a lot of my directors. So say you're doing a commercial um, and we've painted the wall green and the client says, I don't like green. It should be red. And you say, okay, make it red. The client walks away like, why is this motherfucker even the director? I'm the one who made it red. I'm practically directing this. They say that people say this shit all the time. People think this shit all the time because they made a suggestion and you do it. They think they've directed the entire project. All right. So the wrong answer is to make it red, but also the wrong answer is to say, no, fuck you. Leave it green. It's you look at it and you go, hmm, purple. And you go, purple. That's I love purple. Yeah. purple. You feel what I'm saying? Because they are right that something was wrong. They're wrong in their suggestion. And then, and then, but they've been heard. You know what I mean? It's only the worst types. And there are those types who pop up every now and then that want you to make it red. And they think you're some kind of servant to them. And then that's where you go talk to your producers. Well, that's not a battle for you to have yourself. You go talk to your producers and your EP like this motherfucker is out of, the, out of control. And sometimes they're out of control. Go look at Zane like I could. I'm not joking. Find the director's cut and then find the version they released. And you'll see what I'm saying to you. Sometimes they lose their fucking mind and you just got to chalk it up to the game. We should, we'll post these on our Instagram actually for everyone afterwards to find the director's cut. All right, we got more questions. Name is Gats. Uh, Pleasure to be here. How important or uh, how high do you prioritize like color grading and color theory, especially like growing up with watching your music videos? A lot of the older videos had a lot of like high saturation or like deep colors. Um, And then even with, you know, some of the newer stuff like work or hotline bling, the colors are very prominent. Um, How do you, I guess, incorporate or prioritize the color schemes in your videos? Your color grade can make or break your entire project. There's a difference between your video looking like a real player and a fucking piece of amateur bullshit. I mean, it's everything. Everything. Again, I'm I'm very fortunate that the projects that I do, I'm going to go to Dave. I'm going to go to the top of top color. You know what I'm saying? And those guys, I get to lean on their expertise. If not, you need to come prepared. And some people just can't do it. Some people just can't turn the knobs the right way to make it look like the way you want it to look. It's just the reality, but but it's everything. What's up, man? I'm Ramsey. Um, Happy to be here. Um, 
also shout out to you for rocking the kafia. I see you, bro. Um, question for you is artistically, like you mentioned a lot of the greats. You mentioned Fincher, you mentioned Spike Jones. Do you feel artistically that like you have come up on your magnum opus? And then if not, what does that look like? Is it features? Is it television? Is it beyond music? Like what's next for you? Cause I know you're not done. I mean, we're directors. We move on to the next one. So I just, in Canada, I had a TV series come out, eight episode series, scripted Robin Hood, and it's out. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on to the next one. You know what I'm saying? The, welcome to the, welcome to the, this is the game. This is the life you chose, bro. And next, you know what I'm saying? This is how this works. So, yeah, I just keep moving forward, trooping forward. I'm blessed to, I mean, look, I got a theater full of people watching my fucking music videos, right? So, so praise the Lord. But, uh, yeah, you make your next project, then you make your next project, then you make your next project. Absolutely. Thank you, bro. Hello. I'm a tree. And um, I'm a student of you in height, Benny Bloom. And you have been through so many transitions as a visionary. And the most intriguing transition is you transitioning from a music video director into film and TV. My question for you is, what are some initial um, challenges that you have faced going into television and film from music video directing? I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out of music videos there's a lot of people that just feel like you just are a lesser because you came from music videos, right? Um, you'll run into a lot with writers, and just all, all up and down, but I've, I've actually had, really found it, truthfully, most with writers, where they just don't think you know story, or you don't, I had one say to me not long ago, well, when we break the episode, when we break the story, that means when we figure it out, I know what breaking a story is. You know what I'm saying? And, but it's always, it's always the amateurs. It's always the, it's never a serious player that talks to you that way. You know what I'm saying? It's these little cats. But there's there's that part where people are still trying to treat you like, oh, music video, that's not really filmmaking. We're, you got to understand, music videos, we're graffiti. We're street art, right? So the the people in the gallery don't respect us. They just don't, right? Now they kind of do. Now, when I was coming up, you think an agency would ever like look at a music video and say, call him. They'd look at a music video, say, we like this and then hire a commercial director to rip off your music video. You feel what I'm saying? So the things are opened up now uh, in a different way where they were a music video director is treated like, oh, okay, you could do this commercial. You could do, you know what I'm saying? And all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's a whole thing. And remember that's just coming from music video. I come out of hip hop. I got a hip hop name. I got some color in my skin. All that shit works against you. Go then you add being a woman, and I've seen this shit. I've had, I've had black women be my second unit directors, and watch the way the DP disregards them. You know what I'm saying? And have to tell my AD protect her, and they still like these, these little battles, right? and I don't. I'm, and I've. Think about music videos, all these little projects where the AD just doesn't want to do her shot. He's trying to talk her out of a shot. 
And she has to fight that battle to get her shot. Just these weird little wins, these weird little things, right? Where people feel, it's going to feel disconnected, but it's not. Um, my friend and I are looking to get a sandwich in Toronto. We go to the Subway Sub. And we say, hey, can we get a whatever? He goes, oh, we're out of bread. And I look up and go, bro, there's bread right there. <laughs> and we get into this whole thing. But he finally admits to us, I just didn't want to make you a sandwich. This is how people get their little bit of power. They see two little fucking black kids. This is my finally my chance to get a little bit of power. I'm not going to make their sandwich. So all the way through this fucking game, there's all these fucking people that get their little chance to finally, finally win something on a director. You feel what I'm saying? And I, and I don't know, I can't explain it, how you overcome that or how you battle that or if you double down. You know, I remember one of my directors, I told her we had this kind of conversation. And she just... And she came to me proudly, like, yo, I said, I'm not doing that. And then I stopped talking. I'm not doing that. And they know the rules. At some point, they got to click back into that is the director and that's the director's choice. These are harder things. I can't, I can't come to, you're going to have to tell me how you figure that out. You know what I'm saying? I'm a man with a hip hop name and some color in my skin and I can fucking get real on you. And they fucking know that in their fucking bones. They're not going to play those games with me. You feel what I'm saying? So there, there, there are parts of this thing where I don't have the answers, but I see what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm so fucking excited I'm here. I was at the other one. Thank you so much. Um, my question is about the future of music video directors. So I know there was a movement in 2020. We released a bunch of uh, treatments and there was a movement about possibly having residuals via YouTube. My question is about our collective, how we see ourselves as directors. I, I honor that we're making music videos for the artists, but is it, I know that is also how we used to think of ourselves, but is it possible for us to collectively to consider ourselves as we are artists working with artists. I know there oftentimes an artist is commissioning it, but oftentimes now they're not commissioning with $5 million. They're damn near commissioned. We're getting $150,000 and that's great. So, and I know also like uh, production companies are also having to put our money up. So it's not, to me, the same business structure as it used to be to where we have to be so humble. I feel like we can stand on, we are an artist too in this and it doesn't have to be where we just give everything to them. I know like on set, you're always gonna bend to the artist because you need them to perform. However, do you think collectively we could do that again where we start to push, um, you know, the YouTube studio is like in Playa, it's like 45 minutes away. Is there anything, is there any way that you think we could have a reimagined future for music video directors where we are getting royalties. Cause I feel like this is such a music video. This is such a video age. It's not the same age as it used to be. And there's new people on the planet. Is there something we could do or to reignite that movement? That's my question. 
I hope so. Pluto is moving into Aquarius. It's going to be there for 20 years. So maybe, you know what I'm saying? Look that up. Enjoy that. Um, But maybe, hopefully, the the rules are the same for me. I don't care if it's $2 or $2 million. You're making their video. It is their song. It is their thing. They're the one that lives with it. So there's there's a part of this beyond respecting what that is, where their instinct is correct. Their fans are showing up because they like their in, they like their music. They like their therefore like their choices, and their choices in this situation. If you have to air, because as a director, there's the artist, and then there's the director, and then there's all your people. You feel what I'm saying? So in the same way that if you say to your director of photography, it's handheld. And then they spend all this time trying to tell you you should be on a dolly. You, there's choices that need to be made. But I'm going to tell you now, if your instinct told you handheld and your DP says dolly, they're fucking wrong. I have a very simple philosophy. If I've made a decision, right? You might let's start with DP. I've decided it's handheld. It's handheld. If you say X handheld, but what if I put it on like the, the sandbag thingy? So it's like a handheld with the, yes. What if it's a handheld with the rig? And yes, if you, if it's, I say handheld and then all the things you say to me from that point on is how to make it a more awesome version of handheld. The answer is yes. You understand? If you're trying to make me change my mind, the answer is no. (laughs) Period. And there's no changing my mind. And the more you can continue down this road, I'm going to make other decisions about this job. You understand? And that's how it goes for every department. If I've made a decision, like the army, I say we're shooting this way. That way, shoot. Grenade, handgun, machine gun, tank. I don't give a fuck. Shoot that way, be creative. If I say, shoot this way and say, but X, what if we shot this way? No. And this is, comes from 25 years of experience where every single time I've said, shoot this way, and someone said, what if we go this way? And I said, let's go this way, they've been wrong. And every time I said, go shoot this way, and we shot this way, I've been right. So it's not a discussion, right? And this is, as a director, this is what flows down from there. And the only person who can do that to you is the artist. And the amount of money they're paying for the project does not matter. This is principle. You feel me? Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, all of this being said, too, I would say that as we direct music videos, this is part of our principle as well, is to create more space and more pushback too from more of a producer's level too when we're starting to get these budgets that are just unreasonable we cannot do these these videos for these budgets um, to start to give a pushback and that's what we're here for I would also say that we are trying to connect people through events like this through everything that we do to talk amongst ourselves to start to be able to push back to the labels there's a big workforce movement that's happening across you know, everywhere right now too. Pluto and Aquarius. Pluto and Aquarius. 
to start to push back to uh, some of these big corporations who just feel like that they can get the most out of us. And that is why we're here. This is why everyone, this is why we direct music videos started. So we want to be able to start to push back on the producer side to say, no, this is not okay. We cannot do, we cannot continue to put our own money into these things too. Of course, creatively, there's a different thing going on there too. But yes, on the producer's level, we need to push back. We need to start having these conversations in between ourselves too. So this is what we're trying to do. Please come to our events. We get together. We chat. We gossip. It's great. We, we need a chant. <laughs> Double overtime. Lunch penalties. Uh, we, we'll figure some. We'll figure something. We'll figure something good. You Could know. you one more question or no? Can we? Sure, we yeah, got one, one more. more. First of all, you're my biggest inspiration in film. I've been watching you since I was a kid back in my favela in Brazil. And now just being able to ask you a question is love. Thank you. Um, you've created such a wonderful moment um, like in history. What is, how do you engage with those songs in order to connect them with these right visuals? Like, how do you approach um, the songs and do you connect with the artists? What is, how do you, how do you engage with the song in order to see the right vision? No, I'm not saying that it's always right, but to get like at that point where you feel like, oh, okay, I think that's the way to go right here. You just kind of feel it. You listen to it over and over again. I mean, it's what it is. I, I don't. I don't think anybody listens to one song over and over again the way a music video director. I'd love to has see your to. Spotify Wrapped. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's what led me down to listen to other forms of music. Like I, you know, what I mean, because you just listen. Yeah, it's, it's it's a whole thing. But you trust your gut, and you're looking at influences. You just got to find it and listen. You know, it's art. Right. Perhaps the most artistic between yeah, film and music videos are very like, you know what I'm saying? And commercials and television are very, even the way the structure works, the way the rules work, they're very similar. So finding a style, finding a thing, what's it? So here's one. I didn't say it the last time. Hype. I shot a video for Tracy Lee featuring Buster Rhymes and Pirate MC called The Party Remix. It was a complete disaster. I, 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 it was the day I realized I don't know what the fuck I'm doing out here. I need to go study. And after it, I went home and I was devastated on how bad it went. And I called Hype and Alan Ferguson. And Hype told me, one, that that feeling that you suck, that's the enemy. And you have to fight that. And then two, he told me, the video needs to be about something. And I didn't get it. I don't, what do you mean about something? You know, not all your videos are storylines. Because you say, oh, it's about something. You think it's a narrative. It can be about the lens. It can be about the color correction. It can be about the clothes. It can be about the set. And that's, what, that's why Hotline Bling is clear. It's not a bunch of shit. Hotline Bling is clearly what it's, all those videos, this is what it's about. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's a visual about or a narrative about, it's it's about something. You feel what I'm saying? So it's it's that's my bit. What is this going to be about? And then I dig into it. 
it's only three minutes, four minutes at the most, but it's, you know what I'm saying? These short little clips. So it can be about the split screen. It can be about the, you know what I mean? Eight millimeter lens in the projects, grainy four by three aspect ratio. That's what it's about. Get me? You know what I'm saying? It's good, right? You can see it. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So that, that is, that is part of what this is. It, we're, we're painting. It's street art. So decide what your painting is going to be. And then the beauty of the, of the art form is that the very next one can be whatever is black and white anamorphic. The next one is, you know what I'm saying? Next one is a very serious storyline and it looks like a David Fincher movie. And it, you get to play with the styles. You get to do all these different things in a way that long form people don't get to do. Right. And commercial people, I mean, it's all, none of them have the freedom that we have from beginning to end, all that stuff. It's a beautiful piece of the game. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you we're going to wrap, we're going to wrap it up now. Um, is there anything you want to add before we, we leave tonight, X? Um, no, I mean... That kind of does it. If you don't know what four by three means, ask one of your filmmaking friends. <laughs> I love that I'm in a room where I can say that, and everyone's like, "Yeah, four by three, that'll be hot." But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for coming out. Love yeah, you. we want to thank Brain Dead Studios for having us tonight. And if you don't follow us already, we direct music videos. Please check us out. We host a lot of events. Yeah, this will be on the Architects podcast in a couple weeks, very shortly, um, through Fella. And uh, as Emma said, we're going to be having a lot of events in the new year. There's going to be another volume of this at some point early in the new year. And uh, we're also trying to do some more town halls and meetups. So if you're interested in the industrial side of things, if you're interested in industry reform, please come out to some of those and meet your fellow directors. Thank you. If you're interested in fighting the power. Fight the power. Come to also, those. you know, even tonight, uh, if you haven't introduced yourself to someone else here, that we have a room of filmmakers and people who have a like-minded interest in watching music videos at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday, like meet someone else. It's incredible that we're all here. Thank you so much for coming. Yes, thank you, everybody. See you at the next one. Thanks, you